What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, price check on aisle two. The Habs get it done in game two for us as plus 220 underdogs. Why, we're one more win from potential profit on that series. The Lightning get their first whiff of the Nassau Coliseum. Is there any value on the scene shift? Long Island. The weirdest day for the NBA in recent memory concludes with a very weird result, plus what I missed in Philly. Then I'll go over the last 24 hours and the next day for our Euro 2020 action. What would make for a success for Scotland against England? It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. What a fun Thursday afternoon. Uh, Euro 2020 going on. Obviously, that's been going on all week, right back to last Friday for your afternoon fix when it comes to sports betting. And now we've got the US Open. Problem is, what, what did we predict? Right? We predicted that there would be fog, that it would be thick out there. Do we win anything for that? What was the futures bet on first round fog delay uh, in San Diego? Wouldn't have been, uh, wouldn't have been paying out all that much, right? Probably would have been in a minus type situation, uh, or at very least a pick'em. That's just the way it is in San Diego. As somebody who lived there in the summers for about ten years, you know the June gloom is very much a thing there. Um, so we're waiting for guys to tee off here as I record this podcast and found this nice little slot (laughs) around 11 Eastern after the first Euro game before the second Euro game. Um, So I've got enough takes here for this first game with North Macedonia against the Ukraine. We were on the Ukraine uh, halftime full-time bet. So basically what that means is you want your team that you've bet on to have a lead at halftime and then win the game. They can give up the lead and then win the game, you know, sort of reclaim the lead, if you will, and it still works out. Fortunately, it didn't come to that. Ukraine scores twice in the first half, probably as most of these teams in this tournament could have had more goals, right? It's kind of hard to have less goals. Um, And then we get a weird second half where... Uh, North Macedonia gets a penalty, the penalty gets stopped, uh, the goaltender made an insane save just to be able to um, you know, stop the ball before the penalty was even called, and then he makes the save on the penalty kick as well, but the rebound goes right to the shooter, and he kicks that in. Doesn't seem fair now, does it? Um, a little bit ridiculous, but you know, what can you do? Uh, and then, uh, of course, Ukraine gets a penalty of their own. So we got two penalties in the second half and they get stopped. So now I think what we're, what are we looking at here? Four out of the five penalty kicks, I think, have been stopped by the goaltender. And it's funny when you're watching, you know, a guy set up for a penalty kick, if you want him to score, it feels like it's really hard to score on a penalty kick and when you don't want him to score it seems impossible that the goaltender would make a save at least from a you know the layman's point of view here so um you know pretty wild game ukraine i felt doing a little diving that was that was uh you know unimpressive for my liking uh north macedonia did they blow it on color selection when it came to their uniforms just going with red like north macedonia i'm sure they have some sort of history and that's why red is their color but like your north Macedonia let's you know let's spice it up a little bit you know they could have had an opportunity here to be really a lot more distinctive let's throw some purple or something in there I want to know that North Macedonia is playing and not have you know some assumption that it's Turkey or something along those lines especially the way that Turkey played yesterday we'll talk a little bit more about the Euros here in a second but the headline obviously 
is our Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Canadians plus 220. I decided last night I'm not going to be a jerk about this. I'm not going to be overly excessive when it comes to the tweets through a little, uh, what was it, Tina Fey, uh, you know, zipping the lip type of a situation because we still need another win from this series. And again, this is so instructive when it comes to sports betting that, you know, I always sort of talk about, you know, why I do this show and it's because I've been doing this for 20 years and this show and nothing like it was really available 20 years ago on demand. Already, right? we didn't even have podcasts 20 years ago. But if somebody would have sort of simply explained to me how the math of sports betting works here and that all we need out of Montreal is sort of forcing them into a sixth game, forcing Vegas into a sixth game to be profitable, I would have looked at sports betting an entirely different way. And so that's, you know, kind of what we're trying to do here, right? We're trying to make it more than just picking games because of course I'd have picked Vegas for this series too. I still kind of would, right? Like if this goes seven or, you know, if it goes to a home home game in the seventh game situation, like I'll be picking Vegas, but I'm not going to pay the price for Vegas, right? There's a lot of cars I would like to drive. There's a lot of shoes that I would like to wear, but I'm also not willing to pay the price for them, right? And so that's, uh, you know, the fundamental per purpose of this podcast because now we're sitting here and we lost the first game down one unit but we win the second game and now we're up 2.2 for that game and now up 1.2 units on the series so now we got a free shot here at the next game uh, obviously scene shifting to Montreal the market right now looking around like plus 150 for Montreal wouldn't be surprised if that number moved up and I'd love that number to move up, obviously. I would like it in sort of a dream world to um, move up to plus uh, 180 so that, you know, it kind of makes it a round number. So fundamentally, we need one more win here for Montreal, hopefully in the next two games here, so that they end up being profitable from a game-to-game -game standpoint and thus force a sixth game in the series, which cashes the plus two and a half that we talked about yesterday, and then also gives Montreal a plus, you know, depending on what price you got for that uh, plus one and a half. But, you know, we talked yesterday, it was plus 290 yesterday. So you, you'd be sitting there in game six with a plus 290 money line effectively on Montreal, which means you don't even have to bet that game because you've already done the work, right? And instead of looking back on it and being like, oh, we should have done the work to get that really good price, we would have it. We would be sitting there and not needing to do so. And so that means that we're just betting game to game five games in the series. And if we win one at plus 220 and we win another at plus 150, we're up plus, you know, 3.7 for those games. And even if we lost the other three games, we'd still be up on the entire series. So you see how easy it is for a team that's plus 220 on a game-to-game -game basis, certainly on the road, and plus you know 400 on the series price, you see how easy it is, especially in hockey, right? Especially in hockey, you see how easy it is for them to become profitable, and that's all that we're trying to talk, you know, tell people about here, right? We're not making pronouncements, and of course, you know, again, I talked about the clip that the NHL.com guys, the Fantasy on Ice guys, put out the other day. And listen, if you listen to that podcast, we talked for 45 minutes just about this series and me just sort of trying to, uh, you know, explain to the listener, like, it's about price and not just carry, though, obviously, he again was critical last night. And so we look at yesterday's game and you go, okay, like, what kind of game did we get? Well, we got from a first period standpoint, 
a pretty similar game, right, that we got from game one. The difference being Vegas had a 1-0 lead through the first period on, you know, a fortunate point shot goal. And Marc-Andre Fleury was able to make all of the saves in the first period uh, of that of that game. And so now the rest of the game is informed by the fact that Vegas is up one to nothing. Well, last night, the rest of that game was informed by the fact that Montreal was able to actually score twice in that first period. And so now they were the force that was, you know, controlling play and taking advantage of that control. And so from a metric standpoint, 2.5 expected goals for at five on five play to 1.89 in favor of Montreal, 15 to 9 in even strength, high danger chances in favor of Montreal. Does that sound like a team that should ever be plus 220 in this hockey game? And, you know, the Vegas people will come out and they'll say, well, they didn't have, you know, uh, Stevenson, the center and, and the Montreal people. Now they've got Petrie back in the lineup. And yeah, all of that stuff matters. Now, does it matter necessarily to that degree of a swing from an expected goals for or high danger chance standpoint? maybe, you know, but probably not. Um, Carey Price comes up with some big saves. Of course, Vegas still ends up getting a point shot goal. Alex Petrangelo scores twice. The second one, very much more a traditional snipe, if you will, that we're sort of looking for. Whereas the first one, you know, again, another seeing eye shot that finds its way through, which again, seems to be sort of the order of the day when it comes to Vegas. And maybe the Canadians are doing something uh, quote unquote wrong in in defending that, but you know they've got a ton of bodies in front. The puck's expected to hit one of those bodies or hit Carey Price just a bunch of times. It has not done that. So Montreal, you know, es- I don't want to say escapes because that makes it sound like they stole this game and that they needed Carey Price to be amazing. And certainly it always helps. But from a metric standpoint, at even strength, Montreal was the better team. And I would say that, you know, Vegas was, in theory, the better team at even strength, or excuse me, um, on special teams. But Montreal never got a power play opportunity. And they're still peeling pieces of uh, whose face was it, the the Montreal defenseman's face um, from the last 50 seconds of that game off of the glass. Because, I mean, let's be honest, cross-check, boarding, like whatever you want to call it, like that's something. And I realize that it's 3-2 game and there's less than a minute to go and we sort of have to... Uh, manage the hockey game, if you will, from a refereeing standpoint, a little bit differently. But like a penalty is a penalty. And he got plastered into the boards there. And it was just funny, talked about it on Twitter a little bit last night, that they just blow the whistle. And like Vegas was supposed to be disappointed because they had zone possession. And they're supposed to be mad because the referee blew the whistle. Whereas like this guy's crumpled on the ice over there because of what should have been a penalty. And it's like, yeah, that's still not calling a penalty just because you blew the whistle down and forced a face off that I think Montreal may have won. You know, that's not good enough when it comes to what that what type of penalty that was, whether it was uh, boarding uh, or a cross check. So, you know, yesterday we talked about the series derivatives, right? And we see now all the adjusted pricing now that Montreal has won this game and it's drastic, right? It's a drastic shift in pricing and all it took was one goal from Montreal. And so again, the whole point of all of that was like, there's just an overreaction to one win from Vegas, which was already, you know, built in from a probability standpoint, right? Like the market decided that Vegas was a minus 270 favorite in game one and in game two, even after what we saw in game one, which was or should have looked like an evenly played game based on the metrics. 
You know, so like it was already decided that they were going to win that game from a market standpoint. So why would you change the price for something like game six, game seven, right? Like the existence of those two games, like it just never really made any sense. And now you're sitting there with an incredibly valuable bet in your account. And who knows what's going to happen in this next game? Obviously, we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. But you know, we've got in at some really good prices. We are up a unit, uh, 1.2 units on this series. Again, maybe the market comes in and pounds away here on Vegas and we end up getting a plus one six, plus one seven, plus one eighty type of a situation. That would be outstanding because again, the way my mind works, right? I think of plus 180 and I go, okay, we can add that to the plus 1.2 that we've got. And we would be up a full three units if it ended up getting up to plus 180, whether it does or not, again, remains to be seen. Uh, you, you know, you never know how these things are going to go, but based on the fact that like every other game has been bet against Montreal and we just keep cashing away on Montreal this, this postseason. Anything's possible. Uh, as for tonight, and so, listen, we get down to this point in in the program, if you will, uh, of the playoffs. And, you know, I always, you know, I said before, like, I like the first round of the playoffs because there's eight series. There's a bunch of different ways that we can attack things. And there's going to be one or two series that are just fundamentally mispriced in our opinion. And then there's going to be a bunch of other series that whether it's a game to game situation or just trying to find one bet here or there, whether maybe it's an underdog in game three or something along those lines, right? There's a bunch of different ways to play those series. And then we get down to when there's just two series left. And then when we get to the finals and there's just one series left, does that mean that like there's going to be some guaranteed edge? In fact, it's less likely that there's going to be a guaranteed edge come the finals because it's very rare that one team is just wildly underappreciated. So the idea that both of these series would have a team that's underappreciated doesn't seem all that likely. And that's why it isn't. And so when we turn our attention here to tonight's game between the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, it's like it's it, we're sort of right now at the same point we were at the start of this series, where at the start of the series, you know, my number was minus 180. That's what it opened. Tampa Bay got bet up to minus 200. Uh, at no point were, were the Islanders even plus 180 or better than plus 180. They may have ticked up to at plus 180. And so the price was extremely fair. Same thing from a series price, right? We talked about how my number was minus 300. It opened around minus 240, minus 250 and got bet up to uh, or near minus 300, if not, you know, directly at minus 300. And so it just goes to show like we have a accurate assessment of the market on this series, right? There isn't going to be any pure must bet have to do it just from a value standpoint type of thing, the same way that there is with Montreal, right? Like I went before the series started, I said any bet that you make on Montreal is a good value. Whether or not it wins is neither here nor there in sports betting. If you make a bet on Montreal, you are getting good value. Now we've gotten to a point here where that value has sort of shone through with that series. We're still probably getting some good value here at anything better than plus 150 for those you know, next couple of games. But when it comes to New York and Tampa Bay, like it already started at an accurate price. And both those, you know, the teams split the games, um, you know, somewhat predictably, like relatively closely matched. Uh, but Tampa, you know, with something of an advantage when it comes to the metrics and obviously the uh, special teams as well. And so now the scene shifts here and you're okay, well, what's the number? What's the what's what's my number here for this game? And my number is minus 131 for Tampa Bay. 
and the price right now is minus 140 plus 120 it is dead nuts right in the middle right in between right there is the same lack of value uh, on tampa bay as there is the same lack of value on the islanders at this point and you go okay what about the total it's five right now so immediately like i refuse to bet an under on a on a flat five but the problem is the over is heavily juiced so there's just nothing there so you know what do we have in this series well after game one we felt like there was an overreaction to tampa bay losing that first game and that's why we bet tampa bay uh slightly worse than even money right it was around minus 105 sort of that was kind of the average price that was available so we make that bet from a series price and now you know the premise of that bet is that if this series is, is evenly matched from like a result standpoint then we're going to see a game seven right and if we see a game seven that is going to be a game that occurs in tampa bay and so we're then getting a better price you know, we've already invested in a better price here at minus, you know, again, minus 105. I think I got minus 103. But, you know, at minus 105, we're getting a better price here down the line on Tampa if this goes seven games than we would be if they were playing at home. Where this sort of falls off is if the Islanders take a three to two lead into their game at home in game six. But that's what we're betting against in that situation. So now we've got this series even. And for that to kind of go negatively here, the Islanders have to win two of the next three games. Now, they're very possible that they do that. But the market has appropriately priced that, right? The likelihood of that happening, the likelihood of the Islanders winning this series, and the likelihood of the Lightning winning the series based on the fact that this series is now even the same way that it was before the series started. Now, obviously, there's less games, and so that makes the underdog a little bit more valuable, and that also makes, uh, you know, the fact that they have the home uh, home ice advantage, that, that makes them more valuable, and that's why the price isn't right now minus 300 for Tampa Bay. Like, that's the drop. That's the reason for the drop in that price, but that's an appropriate drop right like that's a drop that makes sense because the lightning don't have home ice advantage and their price by the way minus 220 right now and the islanders plus 180 so like that makes sense that they wouldn't just automatically go back to minus 300 so there's no mispricing here when it comes to the islanders and tampa bay whether it's the game or the series so fundamentally we watched the game tonight with lightning series price at you know after game one and we just hope that they win and we don't press it. We don't press with minus 140 because there's no value there necessarily. If it dropped, if that price dropped to minus 130, that's now a fair price on Tampa Bay. And so you can make that bet. If the Islanders go up to plus 130, that's a fair price on the underdog. But as you know from you know the whole season, we're looking for something better than just fair price on an underdog because they are a less than 50% win probability, right? So we would probably need something closer to, let's see here, let's just type it in, do some really good radio here. Uh, plus 140 is one and a half, so we probably need something closer to plus 150, not unlike Montreal. Now you're not gonna get that price, right? If you know, we saw from a series standpoint, the difference between the pricing on these two teams and these two series, and so you just know you're not going to end up getting plus 150 with the Islanders. Like that would be a drastic overreaction and something that I would even say that we would have to bet on. So again, point is, is we watch this game, we hope the Lightning win. And if they lose and the adjusted price dips further for the Lightning than, it's, than it really should, 
we're going to be back on the lightning and maybe the game price, right? Maybe it becomes minus 134 game four. Maybe it comes lower than that and they're just minus 120, right? So there's a couple of different ways that this can go that either set up a bet to make for the next uh, game, a set up to a bet to make to for the adjusted series price, or we just get in really good with a 2-1 series lead with Tampa Bay. And given the fact that the market has decided this game is a 58% win probability for Tampa and a 45% win probability for New York, and you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, that doesn't equal 100. Well, that's how sports books work. They, you know, they price a probability of basically 105% and they take that 5% and they put that in their pocket. So, um, Fundamentally, the point is there's nothing to play in this game because we've already done it. We've already gotten in on our series price here at minus 105. That is now minus 220. So that's great, right? We don't need to do anything uh, for tonight's game. Uh, speaking of not doing anything, the NBA last night. What a bleep show. Um, I was playing golf later in the day, uh, got home around 8.30 for the hockey game. Wasn't, you know, as we talked about yesterday, certainly not all that interested in watching Atlanta and Philadelphia, especially with all of the NBA news that was piling up throughout the day, which we talked about on yesterday's show. And all I have for notes on Atlanta and Philadelphia last night is the word hilarious. Because, of course, after blowing a second half lead like they did in Atlanta, I flip on the TV and it's 53-33, something along those lines. And I don't even muster the energy to turn on the second television. Because I know that the Clippers-Utah game isn't even going to start for a couple more hours. And I don't need to even have any shred of interest in this other game. Only to find out after the fact that Atlanta comes back from 26 down, uh, outscoring Philadelphia 21 in the fourth quarter, I believe it was, 40 to 19, something along those lines. Just absolutely ridiculous. And so, you know, what? <laughs> I could try to recap this game for you or whatever, but like, you blow it like that, it's bad offense and bad defense for Philly and probably decent offense and decent defense from Atlanta. Like, what else do you need to know, right? Like, no one on Philadelphia could have performed well for that result to go down. And it's right after we watch Milwaukee do what they did or didn't do, depending on how you look at it, and you just go, like, there's eight teams left. Well, there's seven teams left right? Because obviously Denver's already out. How many of these teams do, can we trust? Because we already can't trust Milwaukee or feel like we can't to, you know, wait for that, uh, wait for that discussion about game six here in a second. But, you know, I talk about Clippers East and Clippers West, and it's like one of those teams has to bleep it up on any given night. In this case, it was the, it was the Sixers side of things. And then the Clippers game comes around and, you know, I'm disappointed because like we have, you know, our original Philadelphia series price, never pressed, never did anything beyond that. And we pressed the Clippers series price. And I'm like, we're not going to get either one of these. Philadelphia is going to blow it. And the Clippers, you know, through no fault of their own with the Kawhi injury, they're going to blow it as well. And then the Clippers go and win. And like my one word for this was just nope, because I, there was just no way that I was ever going to press the Clippers. We talked about it two days ago, like Clippers money line was going to be a play. That was before Kawhi, you know, Hopefully not, but seems like he may have torn his ACL. And so, you know, obviously I'm not going to do that with him out because now we're relying on Paul George. And then Paul George is all of a sudden great in the game yesterday. 
So, you know, is it just that Paul George literally needs to be the only good player on his team or the only, I'm going to use the word great player because he was great last night, but like, is that what it takes to get Paul George to be, you know, really, really good? So, you know, these series have now flipped literally on both sides where it's like Philly looked like the team that was going to be fine even after blowing that game four and that we were going to cash that series price, but the Clippers one we were going to get scooped on because of, you know, that injury. Well, now the Clippers have a home game, and I don't even know what to do about that. We can discuss that tomorrow. Um, and now Philadelphia's got to go on the road. But Philadelphia is favored on the road for game six, and the Jazz are favored on the road for game six. So I don't know what to make of any of all of this. And to make matters worse, we have game six in the Brooklyn Milwaukee series tonight. And this is going to come as a surprise to you. We have to bet the Milwaukee Bucks. The number's minus five and a half for this game. So there's a couple of different things and different reasons why this is somewhat of an you know obligation. So from a basketball handicapping standpoint, think about what has to happen for Brooklyn to win, you know, win that game, to win that game at home the other night, right? Do we think Harden, for example, who wasn't very good, do you think he's going to be better after playing a full basketball game? Right? Like, do you think the hamstring the next morning was just going to be like, yeah, feeling pretty good, super loose already, didn't even have to stretch? I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, do we think Jeff Green, we always talk about the supporting players, home versus road type splits. Do we think Jeff Green's going 7 of 8 from the three-point line for 27 points? Don't really see that coming. As great as he was, Kevin Durant, is he going to score 50 on the road? That seems highly unlikely, unless it's just massively inefficient. And I would like to think, and this is probably the biggest stretch of all, I would like to think your boy, Coach Bud, like how many days does that guy need to make the most basic adjustment? Which is... Let literally anybody else shoot other than Kevin Durant. And if that means a full-on, like, guarding Will Smith with four guys and leave Carlton wide open type situation, super dated Fresh Prince reference, um, but still lives on in a GIF that I have used this postseason. You know, all of these things have to go Brooklyn's way for them to just eke out a win. And by the way, it's not like Milwaukee was great in that game five. So, like... Milwaukee can also play better a ton of the time or even just play as badly and just have the Nets not have all of those things go right for them or have, you know, those things, you know, I don't say go right because it's like sounds like they got lucky, but like, I mean, seven out of eight for Jeff Green from three, like that's, that's pretty lucky. I mean, there's just kind of no other way to sort of say that. And then you look at the line and the line was minus two in Brooklyn. And what have we learned from that game? Well, one, we learned that through th two and a half quarters, almost three quarters, well, technically, I guess three quarters because they were up double digits going into the fourth. But through three quarters, Milwaukee was the much better team. And it almost was kind of, in a weird way, like sad in the first half. And if I didn't have the dread of the fact that I was trying to trust Milwaukee, which I already do have before I even made this bet today, 
you know, if I didn't have that dread, it would have felt sort of sad that like this Brooklyn thing kind of just fell apart. Now, I know no one's really a fan of Brooklyn and, and the super team concept and, and the mercenary NBA these days. So I get like it didn't, you know, wasn't really all that sad, but like it was just sort of like, oh, OK, this team's just kind of ran out of human beings here and now they're going to go out with a whimper. And then Milwaukee allows them back into this series. And so, you know, they were comfortably ahead here. And at minus two, like it looked like that number was way, way short. And then it took this superhuman um, effort from Kevin Durant to win that game. And so now you're going to change the location of this game. And that means it's now, you know, it's, and it's turned to five and a half. That's a three and a half point swing, which if you divide it by two, right, you have to take points off of, you know, from home to sort of neutral, and then you have to take more points off for neutral to the other team's home court. So three and a half points is split that in half is 1.75. Do you think home court in the NBA is worth 1.75 points? I don't. <laughs> I think it's worth a lot more than that, right? And I don't know, you know, we were years and years and years into this and nobody's truly come up with the exact number here. And, you know, people think, oh, two and a half, three, whatever. But let's say like it's sort of bottom of the barrel, like regular season, which I think would be like two and a half or three points. That's a full six point swing. So this line should be closer to eight for Milwaukee. But why isn't it? And this is as good of a sort of pre-NFL season reminder of the emotions of betting on these teams. Because, like, once we get to the NBA playoffs, like, it feels very NFL-y in that everybody's focused on these games. We all have hot takes during and immediately after the game. And then it takes, in the NFL, it takes, like, a week and a half to get over the emotion that is sort of derived from watching, you know, a Monday night game or a Thursday night game and sort of and the uh, impact that that has on how we feel about these teams. And that's the kind of the beauty of the NFL because the games happen a week later and we don't get a full 10 days to kind of get over the fact that maybe this team isn't as bad as they looked. Maybe this team isn't as good as they looked. So for the NBA, now we have only two days to be able to do this. And I imagine most people have not gotten over what they saw from the Milwaukee Bucks. I haven't even really. But at least I know intellectually that the line isn't correct in this game. Uh, from a basketball handicapping standpoint, everything that I just mentioned about everything that went well for the Nets and everything that went badly for the Bucks. Now, the last little bit here is, okay, it's five and a half points. Like, yes, okay, maybe you think Milwaukee's going to win the game, but do I want to lay five and a half points? I actually rather lay five and a half points than two points when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks. Why? Because these lines are really good, right? Sportsbooks are really good. They're really tight a lot of the time, right? And they're tight in two ways. One, they're making you think, well, should I bet on this side or that side? Two, they're also making you think, oh, there's only one side to bet on here, and that's Brooklyn, say, plus five and a half, and then everybody does that, and then when uh, Milwaukee wins by 20, they cash in. Right, like that happens as well. They take sides as much as everybody wants to say, and it's true from a generic standpoint that they want even money on either side. That's certainly not what the case is when it comes to this line, right? They know they're going to take Brooklyn money because nobody wants anything to do with the Bucks. That's why this line hasn't moved from five and a half because it hasn't needed to. It hasn't needed to drop to five. It hasn't needed to move up to six because they are fine with the percentage of money that they're taking on either side. And that's what we talked 
about in the NFL playoffs, and we talk about it week to week in the NFL. And if you're just joining this podcast, or I shouldn't say just joining because we haven't had the NFL since January and it's been a bit, um, you know, that's the type of stuff that we talk about a lot in the NFL once we get to that, get to that season. So this is a very NFL-y type game. And I don't want the Bucks at minus two because that also implies that this game, the game is going to be really, really close and come down to the last basket. And that means that somebody on Milwaukee is going to have to do something clutch in order to win by two, three points or whatever. Well, in this case, and from what we've seen from the games that have played, been played in Milwaukee and what should have happened in the fourth quarter you know, Milwaukee has a capability of blowing out the Nets. The Nets haven't shot well at all at Milwaukee. Like, they haven't been able to score at Milwaukee. So there shouldn't really be anything from a fear standpoint there. Also, it's not a do-or-die game. It was a do-or-die game for the Nets, right? Like, it, we were sitting pretty. You know, if you had the minus one-and-a-half series price as part of our smorgasbord of Bucks bets that, you know, we are <laughs> we hate ourselves for here. You're sitting there going like, this is great. We're favored on the road. They win this game. They're going to go home. They're going to win that game. They're going to catch this bet somehow. Like, it's going to be amazing. You know, how, how fortunate. Yada, yada, yada. And so Brooklyn comes through and they win that game. But now they know like, okay, worst case, we go back home and we play a game seven where we're going to be able to, you know, all our, our support guys are going to be better. Uh, I don't even really know why James Harden is even going to play in this game. And while I don't know why he's even going to play in this game, and by the way, Kevin Durant played, if you don't know if you heard, he played all 48 minutes. Um, you know, there's going to be a lingering side effect to all of that. And they're not going to have the crowd for the extra energy and all of that sort of thing. And by the way, if this game is a double-digit type game uh, going into the fourth quarter, and, you know, maybe it stays 12, 13 points with eight minutes to go, like, why would you keep your starters out there? Why would you keep Kevin Durant out there knowing that you still have another game? Like, why would you put him through that? So he's not going to play 48 minutes and throw that into the category of things that aren't going to happen in this game that happened in the last game, right? You're not going to get 48 minutes out of Kevin Durant. And so I want this line to be five and a half. I kind of want a nine and a half. I kind of want a 15 and a half. And so, you know, minus five and a half, presupposes that clutch won't be needed from Giannis, which is great. I don't want to need Giannis in the clutch. And so you can even go alternative line here, minus 9 plus 150, minus 13 plus 250. So it's kind of like the Montreal Canadiens in that like any bet that you make on the on the Bucks, I almost called them the Brewers. I haven't watched baseball all year. Uh, any, any bet that you make on the Bucks is a valuable bet. Again, does it mean it wins? No, not necessarily. They might be even worse and even more pathetic than I think they are. And I don't really think all that much of this team. And they might be all of that. And they might lose this game. But from a value standpoint, minus five and a half is too low. Minus nine at plus 150, when I think the line should be like eight, right? And if the line should be eight, that means it should be minus 110 to be eight. So plus 150 at minus nine is a really good deal. And thus, minus 13 at plus 250 is a really good deal. And so the problem here is, like, you have to trust Milwaukee in order to make that graduated bet, right? However you want to do it, whether it's 50% of your unit on uh, Milwaukee minus 5.5, and, and then 30 on minus 9, and then 20 on uh, you know, minus 13, or whether you're going to go 
higher than that. Maybe you're going to split um, a unit and a half and you go full unit on minus five and a half and then split a half unit on minus nine or minus 13. Like that's for you to sort of be willing to trust Milwaukee in the end here. But like it could very well get super loose in the last five minutes of this game and the, and the uh, you know spread here, right? Like the margin of victory is very possible to increase, right? It's very possible that this is going to move up based on the fact that Chris Chioza might be in the in the lineup for the Nets, right? Uh, you know, DeAndre might be involved all of a sudden. Um, so, you know, it's, it's an incredibly uncomfortable bet, but like, that's what I mean by sort of comparing it to the NFL because a lot of our bets going into an NFL week are incredibly uncomfortable, right? Like Bears plus three and a half at home against the Saints or at home against the Bucks, right? It's a very uncomfortable bet to make. Then you find yourself at the end of the game spent and the Bears have won 20 to 19 and the Bears have forced overtime and the Saints have kicked a field goal to win the game. And you go, wow, we won that bet, even though three and a half felt really, really short and something that I should be betting on the road team. It's kind of the same thing. Right. They are asking us, uh, you know, they're telling us really that we should be betting Milwaukee. They're asking us to bet on the Nets. So that's the situation for the NBA. Let's finish up with a little Euro before we get you out of here. Busy day today, by the way, uh, 2 p.m. Clubhouse, the parlay, P-A-R-E-L-P-A-R-L-E-H. Um Canadian spelling, if you will. Uh, weekly, we, it's this little hangout of people, Canadian people in the you know interests of the sports betting industry. Um, worth mentioning, today looks like the day, and I've almost said this a bunch of different times on the podcast, today looks like the day that the Senate is going to vote on the Canadian sports betting bill and the repeal, essentially, um, of the criminal code. And, you know, we've noted a couple of significant dates along the way here. This one would obviously be the most significant one as the Senate vote, when it happens, it's expected to pass, though you never know. Uh, that's supposed to happen today, finally, um, as they have, it's this race against the clock because they have one more week left before they shut it down for the summer. And if they shut it down for the summer, that's it. Everything has to restart next year. Right. It's like getting eliminated from the postseason. You have to start your regular season back up again. And so it's this sort of low key stressful thing here for those of us who have a stake uh, or multiple stakes in the game when it comes to legalization of sports betting in Canada. So that's going to be a hot topic. And then who knows what else is going to be discussed. But every Thursday at 2 p.m., uh, the parlay uh, on Clubhouse. Feel free to come by and check that out. Sometimes I talk. Most of the times I talk uh, a lot of time. Well, I think like one time I didn't say much because um, I wasn't that interested in what they were necessarily talking about. Um, but <laughs> most of the time, it's uh, relatively interesting, and uh, and I get my, my my two minutes of fame up on the uh, virtual stage there. Uh, as I mentioned, Euro uh, yesterday, um, good and bad. Um, you know, Finland talked about that yesterday. Turkey, this team stinks. Like. You know, what an absolute bill of goods we were sold on Turkey. And I don't know if anybody was really saying, you know, anything that great uh, about Turkey. Um, our bet for this group, you know, came 
with both those other teams that played yesterday. And that's the game I want to talk about, Switzerland and Italy. And, you know, maybe the best thing that came from the Italy, the Italy preview, might as well be the Italy preview, the uh, Euro preview with Ted before the tournament even started was him mentioning that, like, people think of Italy as a defensive team. And, like, I don't know that much about these teams, but I know that Italy has a reputation as a defensive team. And that hasn't necessarily not been the case. They have shut out both teams that they've played. And so, you know, he had mentioned, like, this this is a team that maybe we should be backing from a value standpoint to hit overs. And I keep betting their overs, and they keep hitting the over. But they're doing it on their own. And so I might have to dial it back a notch and just take Italy overs from a team total standpoint because they're still stopping these teams. Now, you know, round three here coming up, the third leg of the group stage, you know, we'll talk about that next week, but like that obviously gets a little bit more hairy when it comes to people's uh, team's motivations and all of that kind of thing, right? That's why you got to kind of strike where the iron is hot. So the best thing that he gave us was were the overs in that, Chiro Mobley uh, scores again, so we've got two goals towards him, both in the you know objective and the subjective, um, you know uh, player of the tournament and uh, most goals. You know that's going a long way to sort of help that. Even though I imagine Romelu Lukaku is going to probably score another billion goals today and probably win that whole thing in a landslide. But we get there with Italy plus money on the over, and again that's probably because the team that they're playing can't contribute offensively to these overs. But it doesn't matter because Italy scores three times in both of their games, as we talked about. And then today, you know, talked about the Ukraine and North Macedonia game, the first half full time. You know, let's do some patting on ourselves on the back here. Like, that worked, right? Like, they showed um, urgency early on after the loss to the Netherlands. They scored a goal. They scored two goals, thankfully. Um, maybe took their foot off the gas a little bit in the second game, or excuse me, the second half. And you know what? They ended up taking care of it. So we got, instead of minus 130 um, on the money line, we get there with a halftime full-time at plus 160. So, you know, try a little sneaky, but we ended up getting there when it came to uh, what we wanted. So Italy, between Italy at plus you know, 120 for the over and plus 160, right? As you know, that's plus 280. So even those two two losses yesterday get immediately eradicated and now we're actually up 0.8 over the last couple of days and you know so we're chugging along here Belgium uh, about to kick off here against Denmark hoping for the best there uh, I think there's going to be a cool little thing at the 10 minute mark which should be um, kind of nice for uh, the, the, the fallen comrade here for Denmark Ericsson uh, and then later you know talked about it with Ted uh, I decided to go Austria uh, double chance and draw no bet, right? So we ended up winning a little bit if they draw. And if Austria pulls it off, then we win a lot of bit more. Um, and then Friday, uh, Slovakia draw no bet plus 210. So no double chance there. Uh, Croatia money line plus 113 in that one. And then England and Scotland didn't know what to do here. Uh, under, over, like it was literally on the fence. Literally, it's minus 110 on either side. So I can you, know, you can see why I would be um, on the fence there. I'm going both to score at plus 128. Uh, I think Scotland has something in them. Um, we saw them and their ability to generate offense in that first game, even though they weren't able to score. And maybe the takeaway from this tournament is that they scored against England, right? Like maybe that's the small victory that Scotland ends up having from this tournament. Maybe, you know, maybe they do, maybe they don't, right? I certainly think England is going to score. So this could be 2-1, this could be 1-1, this could be 10-1, who knows? 
But I do think Scotland gets that one goal. Is it possible that maybe it's not just they score the, the one goal and that's what they get from this tournament? Maybe it's possible that they draw 1-1 with England. I'm certainly not looking to bet that. Again, fundamentally, I just think Scotland gets a goal at some point and maybe it's they're down three to nothing and they get a goal late because you know things get a little bit looser uh who knows but that's the sort of hunch if you will based on the information provided from our guy ted uh over the last couple of weeks um tomorrow's episode probably a lot shorter well, it's probably not all that much different um we'll have a little bit of you know what happened in the first round from the u.s open so i guess that'll elongate it a little bit we can talk obviously about tampa bay and the islanders game and you know listen i don't know how much we're going to talk about montreal vegas we'll probably just update the price see what we can get from a best money line for montreal type price there um and then of course euro wrap up and the weekend stuff should you know probably mention that's going to be a key element uh we'll have all the weekend games hockey basketball such as that might be and of course the euro stuff game to game throughout this tournament so that's uh that's going down tomorrow as always please subscribe rate review and share the podcast i'm at mrus authentic on twitter and the action network app uh until tomorrow i'll see you at the window